How's it going? All right, Bob's good. <laughs> good yeah. It's one of those days, right? Everybody looks a little quiet today. Everybody's sort of just like, like a little bit in there. That's okay. Uh, I love it. Well, anyways, wow, you quieted down so loud. You never know what I'm going to walk into on a Sunday. It's like, am I going to have to really yell? Am I going to have to talk quietly? Or are you just going to like just drop off? And I'm going to be like, oh, I wasn't quite prepared. And that was that one this time. <laughs> um, While well, we've been waking our uh, way through a series called uh, Meet with God, um, and it's like about prayer. It's a nice way of saying that we, could, we can and should and ought to and how we can pray. Um, it's just like a season of prayer, you know, in our groups, um, which are ongoing. We've been going through, um, like, some material, equipping you to pray. Um, we've got, yeah, prayer and worship night. Uh, it's supposed to be this week. We moved it to the next week. Sorry, we won't do that again. Um, various reasons for that. Um, but it's a season of prayer. And throughout this series, uh, we've been, again, just drilling in on prayer, which you might think, that's just like a lot of prayer. Um, but I don't think it's too much. I don't think it's too much because, honestly, like, prayer is um, it's so essential. And I think it's not something that uh, all of us um, are, are great at. It's not something that I'm really great at. I think it's, it's interesting because the thing about prayer is that the real challenge is not knowing how to do it. Like, we all intuitively know how to pray. Um, and it's really quite a, quite a simple thing. I mean, literally, meeting with God, talking with God, that, that's a, a fair definition of prayer. But I think our challenges come with things like consistency, doing it consistency, really developing a capacity uh, to, to pray over, over long periods of time, day after day, week after week. You know, we, we think, oh, yeah, I can pray, and I should, and, and then we kind of just leave it at that. Like, how do we continue in prayer? How do we develop habits around prayer? And how do we develop... Really, the innate desire, really, because, because really what I, what I pursue and what I do persistently over time are the things that I desire to do. Unless I'm really great at discipline, like, way to go for you. But honestly, like, I, you think, I, I find that I need to uh, really cultivate and, and think about uh, developing a desire for prayer if I'm going to really, really step out into it regularly. Um, and we've talked about some of the, we've talked about it from various angles, we've talked about some of the practical side of how to overcome obstacles in prayer. Um, but there's also like certain problems, and we've talked about some of them, like mindset problems, which are just like internal problems, internal obstacles to prayer. You know, because if, the, if it's about desire, if it's about developing discipline, like all of those things, the, the issue is me in, in all those things. I don't have the desire, like I have um, disordered desires. I want things and the wrong things, or I, I, I mis, mis, uh, handle my own priorities. I have internal problems, an internal set of problems. And I think there's, in our time and place, in this moment in which we live in, I think there's even one particular challenge um, that's even, even greater. There's one um, particular challenge about, about living in this world and, and praying consistently, and that's just that we live in a really, particularly right now, in a chaotic world. And that presents... It creates um, difficulties when it comes to developing consistent, uh, a, a consistent prayer life. We live in a chaotic world, and we need to learn to pray in this world as it is. Look how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. I mean, you know this prayer because everybody kind of knows this prayer in the back of, uh, back of your head. Um, we read one version of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. It goes like this. Jesus tells his disciples, therefore, you should pray like this. 
Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're familiar with this, right? <laughs> the Lord's Prayer, it's a, it's a prayer that the church has prayed for a long time. It is the example prayer, and it continues on a little bit. But I think that it, it, it starts with the real challenge of praying in the world that we live in, and that's that it, it starts by recognizing um, that how things really are is not always how things should be. We look at how things are and we realize, man, these are not how things are supposed to be. And then, so coming to God and asking him to bring about his will on earth involves like a difficulty because we recognize that there is a gap between the way things are and the way things should be. There's a, a gap between life on earth and God's will being done in heaven. And, and, and in prayer... We sit with and we look at a real tension. And I think that tension can be exhausting. Anyone feel exhausted right now about the way things are and the way they should be? Um, I think a lot of people have been feeling that way, uh, both personally, globally. The world we live in, it is full of challenges. Um, in prayer, we have to enter into this tension. We have to stare this in the face. And I think generally we don't like doing it. We don't like it. It's difficult. Which, to be clear, is nothing new. If you don't like this tension, welcome to being alive. Nobody likes this. Um, it's a universal struggle of, of faith and prayer to continue to sit with the Lord in the gap, to call it what it is, to see it for what it is, and yet to persist on. To continue pleading with the Lord, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in the midst of all the difficulties of life, personal, global. To continue to move on in prayer is a constant struggle, and it has been always for God's people. We look back at the Old Testament, Israel had this issue, they had this issue of, of being persistent, seeking the Lord. When Moses was sending his people into the promised land, he gathered them up and he warned them. And like in the beginning of Deuteronomy, uh, well, sorry, sort of the middle of Deuteronomy, he, he gives them all these warnings and instructions. And, and in one particular instance in, in Deuteronomy 8, as they're about to go in the land, he, 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 he highlights for them one challenge that he anticipates. In Deuteronomy 8, 11, it says this, Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments and ordinances and statues that I'm giving you today. When you eat and are full and you build houses to live in, and your herds and your flocks grow large, and your silver and gold multiply, and everything else you have increases, be careful that your heart doesn't become proud, and you forget that the Lord your God brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. He led you through the great and the terrible wilderness, and its poisonous snakes and scorpions, a thirsty land where there was no water. He brought you out of the flint rock for you. He fed you in the wilderness with manna, which, his, which your ancestors had not known, in order to humble and test you so that you, in the end, might, might cause you to prosper. You may say to yourself, my power and my own ability have gained this wealth for me. But remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth in order to confirm his covenant he swore to your ancestors as it is today. If you ever forget that the Lord your if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and bow uh, in worship to them, I testify against you today that you will certainly perish. 
well, that's a heavy thing to say. Like, he's like, party time, party time. Oh, by the way, you will certainly perish <laughs> if you do these things, right? But he's warning, he's warning uh, the people of Israel. And it's a good warning. It's, it's a wise warning. It's not because, oh, they're so bad and they're so consumed by money and they're just going to, they're so lazy people. It's just that they're normal people, just like me and you. And they've been trained by the Lord over these last, this last generation wandering in the desert. God has been doing something. He's been showing himself strong, leading them out of slavery, and then providing for them. And with the hope that they would learn that he is the one who provides. And he says, I'm going to bring you into this place, and I'm going to bless you, and you're going to prosper, and that's good. He's not saying you should not prosper when you go. He's saying, I'm going to set you in. It's going to be good. It's going to be a blessing. But be warned because with all the prospering, you might over time begin to forget who it is that really provides for you. And you might in your heart start to say, oh, it's me and my strength and my wisdom and my wealth. I've done all of this. It's my great provision. And you'll just end up forgetting about the Lord. Unless God's people, unless we, and unless Israel are reminded whose they are, who watches over them, unless we're remembering this, walking into this story and experiencing it day by day, then we are not going to be able to pray. We're going to forget who, who, how God watches over us. We are not so different. Moses knew, and he was really aware, how easy it is for people to turn thy kingdom come to my kingdom be established. It's a common problem. We lose the capacity when things get easy to persist and to ask the Lord and to rely upon him. You are not a uniquely bad person if that's something that happens to you. It is something that happens to all of us. When things are great, we lose our training, our ability, our quickness to depend upon the Lord. And anyone who's gone through a season of grief, a season where, where your life just gets turned upside down, you learn you have to figure that out. You have to recover that reliance upon God really quickly. But what Moses' advice is, is to them is that don't lose the ability in all your prospering. Keep yourself sharp in your ability to depend on the Lord so that when the time does come, you will not deceive yourself and think that you can work your way out of the problem. You will know to who, who, who you belong to, who cares for you, who has always been faithful, and who will continue to be faithful. Keep yourself sharp. That's what Moses was telling these people. Keep yourself reliant upon the Lord. In the, uh, in the early 90s, there was a political philosopher named Francis Fukuyama, and Fukuyama wrote a book called The End of History. And his theory was, like, this was right around the, the time that the Berlin Wall uh, falls, right? And his theory was, hey, look, we've won. <laughs> We're entering into the end of history, that is, the end of this great conflict between civilizations, and now the global world is going to be stable and prosperous and quiet, and while we might sit where we're at right now and just say, oh, sweet summer child, Francis Fukuyama. <laughs> uh, for a long time, he was really right. The 90s to the early 2020s, man, I mean, sure, look, I was alive at, for 9-11. I, 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 
find it shocking that some of you weren't, but I was, right? I was there. I was alive during the 2008 financial crash. Like, we, we've done these things. We've seen some wars, but they've generally been uh, limited in scope and, and, and far away. We've seen economic crises, but then we've seen great recoveries. I'm sure some of you were working when the uh, dot-com bubble burst in the early 2000s. I bet that was fun in Seattle. Yeah, really fun. Um, like we've had ups and downs, don't get me wrong. We've had ups and downs, but largely these last 30 years have been a time of relative peace. It's also no secret that the last three years have been wild, just, just, just crazy. We're making up for all the things that we didn't do uh, for the last 30 years. It's like the, the Soviet Union has, has zombified, come back to life, and decided to invade some European countries. That's fun. Uh, there's this war going on. So many people are dying. And, and like, I remember when this happened, right, when, 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 when uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, and it was, like, it was like hard to process. You're like, man, we haven't seen stuff like this in a little while. We haven't seen what we think of as, 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 as well-developed nations invading one another and upsetting the kind of p- power balance that we've had for 30 years. I mean, just, just, I mean, like just the past couple weeks, right? We've, we've seen what's going on in Israel where, where there's this terrible terrorist attack by Hamas and uh, 1,300, 1,400 citizens, just, just normal people, are, are, are slaughtered brutally. And then the sudden escalation of tension, like the invasion of Gaza that's going on right now. I mean, you're just like, can't we just do one war at a time? We need to have another war. And, and, and there's so much concern that, man, could this, could this spin out of control? Could this become like World War III? Like, I mean, what a time to be alive in, to think about these things. And then just this past weekend, in, in Maine, there's, there's yet another sh- shooting, 18 people dead. It's like the hits keep coming. On top of COVID, when we did that, we've all forgotten about that now, right? We did this whole global shutdown thing. It was crazy. And I wonder, like, do we know how to pray in a world like this? Did the 30 years of relative peace and prosperity, did we keep ourselves sharp? I don't think I did. So now that we're in a chaotic world, do we know how to pray? When it feels like things are getting complicated and, and like the ease of life and, and, the, and just like, oh, we, can, we just expect certain things to happen. When that starts to slip away, do we know how to persist and to trust the Lord? Do we seek him? Or do we do what oftentimes people who get comfortable in life do is that they say, well, I'll just figure out a way to fix it. Like, like, do we go back to our own skills and our own abilities and think that, man, it was us who got us where we were at in the first place? Or, or have we preserved in the midst of all this peace and all this prosperity this sense that this is all the grace of God, I'm fully reliant on him, and if he takes it away tomorrow, then I just continue to do the same thing. I continue to trust in Jesus. I continue to seek him out. If the world is chaos or the world is peaceful, I'm just thankful and reliant upon him. I think 
a lot of the times, like, I, mean, I think what God is trying to teach his people to do and what he's trying to teach us to do is when we see the gap, when we see the difficulties come, he's trying to teach us to just sit here and sit with him in it and just say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is enough for me to pray. That is enough for me to be satisfied. That is enough to bring me comfort that you would do something. But instead of doing that, a lot of us are just saying, Lord, hold my beer. I'm going to fix this problem. If I have an, ec- I'm sorry, I said hold my beer. That's not refined. Um, it's fine. It was funny, though. <laughs> um, so, like, we're, we, we, we just, like, <laughs> this is it. When, when it becomes difficult, will we go right back to this place of trusting, seeking, praying, or will we just try to sort it out in our anxiety and leaning on our own ability? These are the two options I think that we have. And it's clear that we're called to one. We are called to trust in the Lord. I think unless we learn to just sit in the gap when we see it, to sit in the difficulties of life when they come, and unless we learn to really entrust ourselves to him, then, we're, then we'll just be doing what, what Tim Keller says, unless we learn to do this. He says, our prayers will be little more than worrying in God's direction. When our prayers are finished, we will be more upset and anxious than before. Prayer will not be strengthening. It won't heal our hearts or by reorienting our vision or helping us put things in perspective and bringing us to rest in God as our true security. Unless we come to the gap, unless we come to the chaos and the challenges of life with this clarity that, Lord, the only thing I have to rely on is your strength and your grace, then our prayers, not only will we not want them, but we will find them frustrating and they won't be leading us to this greater trust. And you might say, oh, I just got to trust more. I just got to work harder. No, you just have to sit and reckon with the reality of things. Your life is going to be full of difficulty. And the Lord is your refuge. Just settle that in your heart. I know that's like, oh, okay, I'll just settle it in my heart. Thanks, pastor. (laughs) It's work. I'm not saying it's not work. Look, Look at Israel. Look at everything going on right now. There's a huge temptation, especially among Christians, to look at this problem and then just attack it with our theology or our politics and choose a side, right? Just choose a side. I'm just going to do this. I'm going to come up with a solution. And how do these dumb people not understand or see what I'm seeing? You know, and you get mad and you get anxious and you try to fix the problem with whatever, whatever solution that you come up with, right? And we look at all these, these protests in the West and we think, oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, like my grandma would always say. And we get really anxious, we get nervous, we try to come up with the ways that we think we can fix it. We, we try to come up with politics, we try to come up with theology, we try to get smarter, we try to work harder, we try to work our way out of all these complex problems. And, like, I, I get it, like, I, I do that too, by the way. But I think I need to learn to recognize when I'm doing those things and just say, look, God, look at this mess. And say, God, I I realize this is not a surprise to you. (laughs) None of this is catching you off guard. But it's certainly a surprise to me. And so, so Lord, what do I do with this? I got to just come to God and I just say, Lord, Lord, I live in this broken world. I recognize it is so far beyond me to even understand and comprehend how broken it is. Let alone to begin to think about all the solutions or what I could possibly do to fix it myself. If we, we understand the gap, we have to understand the gulf between our understanding and God's understanding. We have to 
take an account of all those things. And so we just come, and the only thing we can do in the midst of all these things is just say, Lord, your will has to be done. Lord, you need to bring your kingdom. You need to intervene on behalf of your people and in this land and in this nation. Lord, what else can you do but that? And I just wanted to, to just, just point, point you to that, like especially about, about this Israel conflict, because I know people are nervous, and I know people are like, like there's a lot of theology that comes in with Israel, right? And I'm not going to do a whole dispensationalist talk this morning. Um, but I'll tell you this one thing. Matthew 24, Jesus talking to his disciples. He's anticipating all the turmoil in the world that they would be facing. And that upon his return, there would just be a lot going on. And he says this in Matthew 24. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. And then he, he says this. This is the important part. See that you are not alarmed. Because these things must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And all these things are the beginning of labor pains. I'm not going to go into like an end times talk, and honestly, like there's there's a variety of views that Christian holds about uh, Christians hold about what that's going to look like and how it's going to be. But if if Jesus gives us any instruction about what it's going to look like, and, and I do think he does, um, he gives it so that we would not be alarmed. It's not so that we would be smarter than everybody else, or we would have more gold under our beds than. Everybody else. <laughs> you know, it's so that we would not be alarmed because Jesus understands this. Yeah, this world is going to be chaotic as this kingdom is coming and as I'm going to return and I will return like this world is going to appear to be a very dark place. Do not be alarmed. Christian, get a hold of your mind, get a hold of your heart. I understand that when we look at the news, and by the way, the news is tailored to get you anxious and nervous and, and, and to stress you out. As we look at these things, it is so difficult to pray. I think we need to learn to recover our ability to pray in the midst of difficult times so that we can see them and yet not be alarmed. And that's my prayer for us, that we would be a calm presence in the midst of a chaotic world because we have learned to pray. We've learned to pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. And what we can do is we can entrust ourselves boldly, maybe even appearingly like silly, in a silly way. Like we just have this confidence that God is going to work. And so... I just wanted to pause for a moment, and I just want to pray together, okay? Would you, can we pray in this series on prayer? That's great. I'm glad. Glad you guys are so flexible. Okay, so let's just, let's just go to the Lord before, and just bring our cares before him. So, Lord, I thank you. Holy Spirit, I, I thank you that you're here among us. Lord, I thank you that your, your word is spoken to us over and over again. You will not abandon. You will not forsake. We are not to be alarmed. We can continue to seek you in all things. And Lord, as we turn on the news and we see the brokenness, the death, the sorrow, the pain all around us, God, would you teach us to be wise, well-trained, to 
to be people who pray every day, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not blind to the difficulties of this world, Lord, but aware of them and confident in you. Lord, if we are carrying the burdens of the world on our shoulders, all of the anxieties about tomorrow and next year and the next generation, God, would you teach us to unburden ourselves? Would you teach us to bring our pain and our sorrow and our anxieties before you and just set them before you and just say, Lord, whatever you want to do with these things, they're yours. Because I'm praying for your kingdom to come and your will be done. Lord, would you teach us persistence in prayer and the joy of surrender to you and how it's so much better than being competent. Lord, that we would have confidence in you. That is better. Holy Spirit, whatever's in our hearts, whatever's in our minds, whatever um, makes us worried, you know, whatever deception or like heart posture that's in the way, God, would you, would you just even now be present with us so that we would know that we can put those things before you? Lord, would you teach us to pray, to pray with confidence, to pray with joy? Would you be present with us as we pray to be our comforter as you promised to be? Lord, we need your comfort. We're not strong enough. But we don't want to just be strong, Lord. We want to find our strength in you, in the shadow of your wings, Lord Jesus. So equip us to do that, I pray. Amen. Um, we're not quite done. Oh, not too bad. Um, I want to just talk practically. I got, I got three practical, like, things, right? Because, I mean, this is like, like okay, I can learn. I can learn. I just got to trust the Lord. Just trust the Lord more. No problem. Easy, right? Uh, I think there are some, some skills, some particular areas where we could focus on, and we would find it will help us to pray with greater confidence and trust in the midst of, of, a, of a chaotic world. And the first one is that we just, we need to learn to lament. Americans, we're not, we're not good lamenters. It's not in our culture anymore. We don't have that in our DNA. But if, if I go back and I read the Bible, the Bible is full of different types of poems, literature, you know, but particularly in the Old Testament, like, there's lament. You know where I, you can find a lot of lament? The book of Lamentations. There's tons of it there. It's all laments. And what it is, is it's, it's God's people, like, as a result of all their disobedience, like, like, they've been carried away. The Babylonians, the Assyrians have come in and just removed them from the land. And they're sitting there, like, looking at this thing that, of course, God told them, warned them might happen if they weren't to be obedient, right? If they weren't to continue to persist. And they're looking at it, and, and just the writer of the book of Lamentations is just saying, God, Look at this tragedy. Look at this city. Look at all the promises that we had that, and it's not like a blame thing, like, oh, you did this or I did this. It's just like, just like, look at what has happened. And that's all the book of Lamentations is. Yeah, there's a little bit of pleading. There's a little bit of asking. But for the most part, it's just beholding tragedy. 
And we're so accustomed to like, oh, we can't talk about tragedy. We got to talk about good things. And yeah, like, I mean, we can't be people who despair. But I think, honestly, we just need to learn to sit a little bit with our own grief about the way the world is sometimes. It's not, it's not a terrible thing to just say, Lord, I'm disappointed, I'm sad, I'm hurting, I'm anxious, I see the world, and I recognize it shouldn't be this way, and how is it so broken? It is, is, is a good thing, I think, a good, the good thing that the Lord wants us to do to just sit and, and just let him comfort us, right? Not act like, oh, no, I'm good, God. I'll solve the problem, I'll be fine. But to just sit with our pain and our difficulty and our hurt and our dismay and just talk to the Lord about it. I, I really think we need to learn lament. You know, it's like, if you don't learn to lament, you'll actually just learn to resent. Ooh, just came up with that. Look at that. Thank you, Jesus. Rhyming. Uh, no, but truly, like, it's like the difference between, um, wow, <laughs> I'm weird. It's like the difference between um, talking to your boss about a problem and talking to all your coworkers about a problem with your boss, right? <laughs> the difference between lament and just not lament is like sometimes we just got to go before God if we actually are gonna gonna deal with whatever's in our heart. Like we got to just like put this complaint before Him. Like Lord, this is like real. This is on my heart. It's a burden, right? But if if, if you've done if you've been in a work environment a long time, you'll find that your coworkers are always happy to listen to you complain, but it doesn't ever actually deal with the problem, and it makes you more bitter and resentful over time. Unless we learn to, to lament, like, honestly, like, we're never going to put it down. You're never going to put the burden down. We have to learn to lament because we have to go to God with our pain so that we can start to have this renewed perspective, so that we can start to be comforted by God. But if you never go to the place where, where you're actually going to God with your pain, with your difficulty, with your suffering, then, like, come on. It's just, you're just going to become resentful. You're going to become a bitter person. And that's not good. Number two, if we're going to pray, we're going to pray into the gap, then we need to be ready to act. As we pray, man, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, we're not, we're not saying, God, totally passive. I'm not going to do anything about the world anymore. What we are saying is, God, you are the one who leads and directs time, space, history. And so I'm not going to concern myself with with being the one who has to work out every problem. But at the same time, as we, as we say that, as we say, Lord, it's, it's on you, we don't say, and I'm not going to help you at all. <laughs> what we do is say, Lord, like, I understand that you are, you are working in this broken world. And it's yours to direct. But then we say, Lord, how can I partner with you? How can I be led by you? How can I be used by you to bring some healing, some peace, some comfort? some restoration as we bring forth your gospel into places and as you work in the world, how can we be a part of it? I think the important part is that we know, hear from the Lord first how it is that we need to be a part of it. Not that we just get ahead of God and try to solve the problems. But the thing about like being ready to act is it, it means you have to do what God says. And that's really hard. You have to be of such a mindset 
that if the Lord were to reveal to you as you, as you pray and as you come before him with, with your anxieties and your pain and your difficulties, that you'd actually do what he tells you to do. And I just have to tell you from my own experience, that is not, that is, that's easy, easy said. Like literally, like it's like, oh yeah, of course, I, if God told me to do something, I'd totally do it. But I got to tell you my experience, that's not true. <laughs> my own life, like I don't know what it is about me. But I, I want to want the things of the Lord. I want to be used by him, and yet so oftentimes when I feel like God is pushing on me or pressing on me, like, I just, like, I wasn't prepared. And I, th- I thought I was prepared, Lord, but then you told me to do it, and I didn't do it because I, whatever, something was in the way. Um, Dallas Willard and Frank Lava, because Dallas Willard is quoting Frank Lava here, but it's, like, really meta, uh, says this. Perhaps we don't hear the voice that is the voice of God because we don't expect to hear it. Then again, perhaps we don't expect it because we know that we fully intend to run our lives on our own and have never seriously considered anything else. The voice of God would therefore be an unwelcome intrusion into our plans. Frank Laubach tells uh, of, of the immense change that came over his life at the point when he resolved to do the will of God. As for me, I never lived. I was half dead. I was a rotting tree until I reached the place where I wholly and utterly, uh, with utter honesty, resolved and then re-resolved that I would find God's will and I would do that uh, will, though every fiber in me said no, and I would win the battle in my thoughts. It was as though some deep artesian well had been struck in my soul. You and I shall soon blow away from our bodies. Money, praise, poverty, oppositions, these make no difference, for they will all alike be forgotten in a thousand years. But the spirit which comes to a mind set upon continuous surrender, this spirit is timeless. I've been a Christian a long time. I mean, I'm not yet 40, so, ish. (laughs) And I don't know if I'm there, but I want to be. And I can't can't give you advice. I don't don't know how, except to, to just peek, like, over the fence and to see something that's beautiful, and that is, like, just surrender to do the will of God. I don't know how to tell you to deal with all your thoughts and all your heart and all this stuff and all this, all this surrender stuff. But I can tell you this. There's a gap between God's will and your will. And though I don't know how to resolve it, I don't know what you need to do or I don't know what I need to do, but I do believe that his spirit is able and that if we seek him And we ask him, Lord, would you direct us and lead us? Like, would you just fix what's in my heart to to want what you want and to just resolve to to do what you tell us to do? I think the Lord will hear that prayer. And I think that as that prayer comes to fruition, we'll find that this whole gap and the frustration, the passivity that comes along with it, like the risk that we have, like it all just goes away. Like if we would be people who when we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done, and we were just like resolved in our hearts to do it when God tells us what it is that he wants done, we would just be different. You wouldn't be the same person any longer. I wouldn't be the same person any longer. 
The Holy Spirit wants to do something in each of us. He wants to do it in me, and I don't even know how to do it. it like, I don't know how to just like, deal with all the things so that once and for all, God, I, it just like, I'm, I'm just surrendered to you. I find that, like, there's Keswick theology, Keswick theology, right? There's this kind of branch of theology that's just, oh, we just have to surrender, we have to let go. I love it, and I hate it. I love it because I think it's right. I hate it because how do you do that? It's the same problem. It's the gap. Only the Lord knows. But we just go back. We just go, Lord, just deal with what's in my heart. I don't know. I don't know how to fix myself. But I know your kingdom is coming. I know that was the message of the gospel. I know that you provide all that we need. I know that you give your spirit abundantly. You don't withhold from me. Lord, I withhold from you. So teach me how it is to draw near to you. Teach me to be a person whose will is just surrendered to you. And I would just say this, if you want to get really practical, fast and pray. If you want to overcome that gap, fast and pray. Last, and the worship team is going to come up here in a second. Actually, right now, why why do I say a second? I meant right now. Worship team is going to come up uh, here right now. And the last thing is, guys, you just need to hold on to your hope. You need to hold on to your hope, right? It's, it's, it's this tension. It's this tension that we have. We lament. We, we, we recognize things are not as they should be. And yet we, at the same time, simultaneously have to resolve in our heart that we have hope in the middle of the difficulty. That we see all the pain in life and we can experience it and let us watch over it and we can go to the Lord with that pain. And yet we will set our hearts that he is the one who's going to... Uh, bring it about. He's going to change things. He's going to bring hope. He's going to bring his kingdom into the world. That was Jesus's ongoing call to his disciples that they wouldn't be people who ever stopped being ready for his return because they were to expect that God was going to be moving in the world. They were going to expect that God was going to finally resolve and bring things to a glorious and blessed and gracious conclusion by the power of his spirit, by his coming again. That's what he tells him in Matthew 24. He says, therefore be alert. You don't know the day that the Lord is coming, but know this. If a homeowner had known what time the thief was coming, he would have stayed alert and not let his house be broken into. This is why you are also to be ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Jesus saw that the world was going to be a painful and difficult place. His advice is don't be alarmed, continue to persist. And his advice to his disciples is be ready. I'm going to move in this world. I'm going to return. Don't get so consumed with your cares and your pain and your difficulty that you lose sight of your hope. We need to hold on to hope. And it's Jesus' work, his ministry, the gospel is reconciliation for the world. And there's so much that's challenging about that. I'm not saying it's easy. But I am saying it's good. It is good for us to just settle our minds upon the hope that's coming. Resurrection, grace, his return. None of this stuff comes easy. I don't know who is sufficient for these things. Paul asked that question in the book of Romans. 
Who's sufficient for these things? Only the person and the people, the church that surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Only the person, the people who have learned to pray, who've learned to seek the Lord and in whom the Lord is working, in whom he's moving. Like he's, he's going to do something within you and within me. I want that so much to change all these things that are in the way. He's going to teach us, teach us to pray in a chaotic world. But we come as learners. If you feel incompetent, great. It's exactly who needs to go to school. If you feel like you don't have the, the um, spirituality to do that, great. Christian spirituality is external. It's coming from the Spirit working within us. It's God pouring out His love and His grace in our hearts, not because of our works, but because of the assuredness of what God has done on the cross. He took away sin. He sent His Son. He's ascended into heaven, and He's returning. He is advancing everything, providing for all things, and so we learn this reliance upon Him at all points. Never will you be so spiritually mature that you can do this on your own. Thank you, Jesus. So let's keep entrusting ourselves to him. We're going to uh, take communion here. Um, things are set up here. So why don't, during this song, you guys just, yeah, I, you're adults. <laughs> Grab it, bring it back, um, and we'll uh, take communion together. Uh, Ryan's going to lead us in, in, in doing that. Um, just like we are, we are coming in as we celebrate communion, we, we're, we are remembering the gospel. And that's this thing that we've just been talking about. Like, God is gracious. He provides all that we need. He invites us in to reliance and dependence upon us, on Him. Uh, he invites us to be filled with all the fullness of His presence. You don't have that in yourself. You don't have the ability. You need to learn. I need to learn. We need to learn to live by hope in the gospel to even lament in hope, looking to the Lord. And so just come in that spirit. Just come, like, as you walk up, think of this as an act of faith. Saying, Lord, like, okay, I, I see where I'm at. I know where I want to be. And so I, I'm walking towards you. I'm taking what you're offering me, and I'm going to literally put it into myself. Your body, your blood, your sacrifice, your grace, I'm going to put it into myself. I don't have the resources in me to be spiritual enough or to love you enough or pray. I don't know how to do any of this stuff, but I just have it poured into me by your grace, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. So come on up here, guys. Let's, uh, let's seek the Lord together.